Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. It is me, Ben. I return to the podcast and this time I'm presenting, I think for the third or fourth time ever, what a treat. Uh, just, we're recording this podcast in the aftermath of a classic Super Sunday game. I mean, this is the 86th episode of the Wizards of Drivel. I feel like we could do 86 episodes on just that game between <laughs> Spurs and Liverpool. And I, I would happily do that, but you're all probably Stoke fans rather than fans of that game. So we're going to stick to Stoke. We're going to go back to the real world um, in a week that where lots has happened, much like the game that I've just witnessed, um, but not a lot of it good. In the midweek, we played Watford um, and we saw that team's best efforts as a game of hot potato, as the game <laughs> never really seemed to ever get going. Um, and... Obviously, on Saturday, a devastating result against Bournemouth as Josh King reacquainted himself with the back of Stoke City's net um, and went on to lose one of those games where it felt like we needed to win. But, of course, there was an N-diamond in the rough um, on the midweek game at half-time as the new signing, hopefully an exciting new signing that can can do something in midfield. Obviously, N-diamond, we welcome him to Stoke City. So, I'm going to... Enough of me talking... Hello, Chris. How are you doing this Sunday evening? I'm I'm all right, thank you, Ben. I'm not not too bad at all. Um, I can't say that I'm feeling as positive as in the last two episodes that we've done. But I mean, I'm positive because you're here and you're back, and that's mm. nice, isn't it? So it's all it always is. <laughs> Um, and and Tom Tom Thrower, welcome back. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I had spaghetti and it was very nice. I enjoyed it. <laughs> a tribute to spaghetti, King of Twitter and of Thunder Bastards, Victor Wanyama. <laughs> just to quickly move away from Stoke. <laughs> See, I genuinely just had ling- linguine and pesto, and it was sensational. Lidl's own brand linguine. Try it out if you haven't already. Anyway, on to the important matter, um, which is obviously this week in the life of a Stoke City supporter. We've got lots to discuss, so I, I won't stick around for too long on, on stupid things like types of pasta. Um, as I mentioned, the first game of the week was against Watford, a drab nil-nil. Um, I was lucky enough to be in attendance. Luckily, my drive home was only an hour compared to my, my dad and brother who got home, I think, at about one o'clock in the morning after, after that awful game of football, so I feel sorry for them. Um, but we'll go through some three-word reviews just to kick us off. I've got still feel confident, feeling rather melancholic. That's from you, Chris. Yeah. Fuck you, Hughes. I don't know if I can swear, but I've done it. I always forget <laughs> if I can. Um, changes too late. Same old story. Back to normal. Calm down, Stokies. We're going down. We'll discuss that in a bit. I'm sure lots of we're going down and, and that ilk. Um, so, yeah, I guess, Chris, well, I'll, I'll start with you. What was I mean? Actually, well, actually, I've just got, I'm looking at these three word reviews, and someone said scored too early. I I assume that's a that's an attempt at satire there from David. So thank you for getting in touch there with the score too early. Um, but anyway, Chris, what did you make of that? I don't want to call it a game of football, but but I will. What the midweek game is this? Or the midweek game against? Going to take as my I was feeling me- more melancholic about yesterday's game. Um, I mean that the Watford game was just. It was it was a dull game. I mean, that's all I can really say. I think if any, <laughs> and and Dai obviously was brought on at half, well introduced to everyone at half time. And I think if any match ever gave a player confidence that yeah, this team definitely needs me, it was it was that Watford game because our midfield was bloody non-existent. Um, it was a frustrating game. It it much like. When we played Huddersfield and we stopped Huddersfield from playing how they want to play, it felt like Watford's game plan was just to disrupt the game. And, it, and I mean, it worked and it was a awful. <laughs> it was just really bloody boring. Really boring to watch. Um, on the face of it now, I guess a point actually is um, is a decent thing. But at the time, I it didn't, didn't fill me with positivity at all. It was just a very frustrating game and... I'm not. I'm not in a point where I feel really, really negative or anything yet. But I do worry that all these opportunities are are slipping away, and we're going to need something very special to to get out of a of what is a nasty situation. Yeah, it's a, it was a weird one. I think the Watford game. I went into it sort of 
just hoping for a win I, I think that's what the sort of attitude I'll have for the rest of the season really you, you look at Watford that reaction from I think it was Holly Bass and a few of their players and their fans um, the weekend before in the FA Cup where there was that sort of fracas I think they had a bad result against Southampton I'm not sure if that's correct but um, I th- you see those images of those players in, in that position and obviously they've got a new manager and it's thinking oh maybe it's not going too right for them they've, they've been on a massive slump Maybe if they hadn't sacked Marco Silva before, we would have been able to get a result against them. So there's a few different things going on that sort of Watford aren't in a good place. I'm talking to Watford friends of mine, and they said Watford friends, Watford fans who are friends of mine, and they were saying we should smash them, and we didn't, which is a shame. But can we? Who who go? Who's who's to blame for for that result really? Because it was a dreadful game of football. There was so much time wasting. I'm sure all of the listeners have seen that stat for, that Pete Smith tweeted about there being 42 minutes or something of, of active play. Who's to blame for this one, Tom? Charlie Adam, because <laughs> how, as a centre midfielder, you can go 60 minutes of a football match and make eight successful passes, it, it, it baffles. And I do think that was where our problem was. Watford were total, total shit houses and just came to just destroy things but Fletcher and Adam played into that because neither of them could put their foot on the ball um, and just take hold of the game by the scruff of the neck and just say look we're a good football team we can pass we can do things so yeah I think that's where it came from um, and it wasn't the worst result a draw after the Huddersfield win Mm-hmm. It was for me. It was just uh, keeping a clean sheet was really important as well. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I was just meh about that game. Yeah, I, I came away from that game not really knowing what to think myself either. It was it was one of those where I think about the team and it's like no one really played well, but no one really played awfully. I mean, there were a few mistakes. I thought. I mean, you mentioned Adam. I don't think he had a great game, but I think he's sort of out of his depth now. Um, I th- I'm pretty sure that all but confirmed it and very happy that Endai can come in and we'll talk about him in a bit but Fletcher made a few mistakes that could have gone punished another day which is just frustrating for me unlike and obviously he's then he's then uh, missed out on the weekend um, should we be trying as a sort of devil's advocate should we be trying tactics like this a lot of I mean this the sort of predictor f- uh, thing has sprung up that the Sentinel have been doing as well where we can guess how many points we're going to get before the end of the season we've got tough games against Man City um, Arsenal away as well should we be going to those playing like that is that something that we'd encourage or should we <clears throat> yeah Chris what do you reckon I, I think it's very very difficult to say that that should be our go-to tactic simply because what we need right now is results and, and, and three points and the only way we can do that is be uh, positive and, and attacking um I think that that is probably where we are. I don't want to say our strongest, but that our weakness has been our defence. We, who was throwing the stat around? I think I saw Sam the Lost on Twitter saying that we are out of like the bottom seven. Only one of the teams scored more goals than us. So in the goal scoring department, whilst we are nowhere near perfect, it that isn't necessarily our, our worst point. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not as bad as like say Huddersfield at, in terms of scoring. But I mean, there's a there's a there's a place for that type of tactic, especially when you are trying to maybe grind out results. Especially if we were in a position where you're against one of the big teams and you just want to see a game out. But I don't know. Uh, maybe it's the naivety of just wanting to see good football. But I kind of feel the only way we're going to get some positive results is by getting a bit of a spring in our step and playing positively. And I mean, look at the likes of Bristol, how they played against Man. Uh, Man City in recent games granted they've lost but it shows that <laughs> trying to play on the front foot is kind of where you need to be against some teams just put just put, an in, put ourselves into the game a little bit like I didn't I, I didn't feel in the Watford game that Watford did enough to win the game but no. but and, and I think that's kind of the difference in that tactic Watford I don't think were progressive in how they approach the game um, there's certainly nothing wrong with stamping your authority on the game and playing in a positive way but it's finding that, that nice balance at this moment and 
<laughs> I don't know if we have it. I don't know. I don't know how I feel, it's Ben. It's difficult. It's difficult because in that game you want to sort of set up a rhythm, but it literally never got going. The game yeah. it just was. It just it was. You turned up. It happened, and it was done, and it, nothing really happened in between. And I'm going to leave it there for that game because as much as we can analyse the, the the what's and why's and whatever. There's no point because Watford came. They played their game plan, which was to not play a game plan, and it worked. And it's annoying, but as you say, clean sheet and a point. It's not the end of the world. And in the middle of it, as I mentioned, Endai was brought on to sort of half-hearted claps. I, I found it a bit awkward because half of the fans were in the gangway or whatever you call it. Um, so I don't think the, the, the sort of the cheers were as loud as they could have been. But anyway. As an overall for our transfer window, Tom, how how did you rate it? I'm not going to sort of just take and die on on it on its own, but how did you rate our transfer window? It's it's easily one of the best transfer windows we've had for a long time because at the start of pretty much every transfer window, I think there's been pretty much unanimous agreement in Stoke fans of what we'd need, and this one it was a full back on either side and a centre midfielder, and that's what happened. Um, Bauer seems to be an absolute steal. Um, he, he's the kind of fullback we've needed. Uh, Staffelidis, I, I don't know. We, we haven't seen enough of him <laughs> yet, but him being there seems to have made Eric Peters step his performances up, which is sort of what most people have said that he's been too comfortable and he might. Staffelidis coming in on loan might just be the kick up Eric Peters' arse. And if that's the result, then well, then I'm happy with that. And and Dai does look the business, really. He looks exactly what we needed. There's a little voice in the back of my head saying, but why didn't you just bring back in Bueller? Because they seem really, really similar um, in style. But I don't know, yeah. I like Ndai. I like someone who's proactive in the game. He's not there to just fill up a spot. He's there to push the ball up the pitch and he likes getting involved in every phase of play it seems so solid signing solid window yeah I'd agree I mean obviously there's a there's a few sort of saying about the Bojan and Bula situation I, I, and I, I'm sure Chris you share thoughts of that are probably very similar to Tom and I and, and to a lot of listeners really that at least Bojan probably should have been brought back because the fact that we can't score at the moment you need someone that's going to make those chances and Bojan is a prime candidate post or pre-injury or during the injury I'm sure <laughs> Bojan could do more than some of these squad players at the moment so it is a shame that Bojan is not in that squad Chris maybe yeah I, I would say so and I know the argument from the um, not anti-Bojan because they're not anti-Bojan but for the people who would argue opposite would be that oh, Bojan's not been the same since his injury he's not the type of player we need in the situation, even even if you take what they say is true, which I don't, that Bojan hasn't been the same since his injury. Um, just the fact that I mean he is our player, it wouldn't help to have another creative spark in the team, even if at the end of the season they are proven right. And oh yeah, it didn't work out with Bojan, which I don't think it would. Um, it would have been nice to have brought him back because there is definitely, as you say, that that kind of spark missing someone who can who can score because I do think Bojan's record when playing hasn't for us at least hasn't been that bad in terms of goals scored um yeah it is a shame it is a shame um I don't, I don't know what the future holds for Bojan or Imbula if honest I'm not sure if the Stoke board see them having a future Imbula especially because um I mean Ndai you would expect would have a similar role in the team um, it would be nice to have two midfielders who are as dynamic as that but I, I don't know I mean, I just miss Bojan it would have given a good feel good factor if anything if nothing else it would have made everyone feel a little bit happier and brought everything together it's a shame a shame we didn't bring him back especially because he doesn't seem to be playing at Alavaz yeah I, I completely agree with your sentiment there I think it is just he's clearly asked he was clearly making he was clearly making it clear that he wanted to come back he's not getting game time for whatever reason in Alaves because of their funds and whatever and he is a fan favourite 
whatever you think of how he plays, he's a lovely guy. Um, but if you needed a hammer blow to say that Bojan's career at Stoke is over, you had it with the sort of pressing down of that shirt number thing that they use in the club shop when you saw the the number 27 on Endai's shirt. Tom, I don't know where you stood on number gate when that was revealed this week. I thought it was actually quite spiteful from someone in the club almost having a go at Bojan for wanting to leave and go and play football because I know it's just a shirt number and some people have made that argument and we probably all are over overreacting a little bit but it's the number 27 it's uh, for most teams that's a squad number for someone who barely plays on the pitch you, you just sits on the bench but for us it was the, it was Bojan it is Bojan's number and then that tweet that heartbreaking tweet oh. that clearly showed that, that there'd been no discussion from the club and it was just taken it's just sad just you know positive podcast 2018 we've been positive it's it's okay because um in the summer either sido or cheap promoting will be moved on and uh, bojan can have nine or or ten that's that's what's going to happen he's inheriting we'll the see. 10 shirts guys we'll we will see i i doubt it um i mean there, there were a couple of questions to do with bojan said why did we think this well, this is from George Weave on Twitter saying, why did we think the squad was so full of quality that we can afford to leave players like Bojan out on loan, especially when there is no risk whatsoever in bringing back? And I think we just asked, answered that. I think the awkward sort of thing is that it was obviously a lot of it's been going on at the club at the moment. You, d- you don't know, or well, we know that Skulls has been making the decisions and maybe in his mind, Bojan wasn't sort of... Mark Hughes wasn't maybe he didn't see Bojan in his plan so Tony Scott was just thinking well there's no point bringing him back because maybe the same will happen and it's just an added cost whatever we don't know what's gone on it's a massive shame yes um, and there's nothing we can do about it and I hope that Bojan isn't seeing at home wherever Alaves in Spain crying I just want him to be happy um, and I think that's a sentiment we all we all sort of share here at Wizards Dribble um, do we care about the way it was announced the end I signing I, I was at the game so it was just the sort of collapse but I, I don't know if there was any sort of was there a word that it wasn't the best way to do it I mean I personally don't really mind but <laughs> I, I I know some folks who, who did have an issue with it for me personally I I wasn't really fussed I the the announcement of the player and the player actually being there was, was probably the more important side would have been nice to see him play a song on a piano would have been nice to <laughs> see him coming into the ground looking at all the lights and doing a big sigh of like anticipation would have been lovely but you know time constraints and he's and he's playing and that's the most important thing he, we saw him playing the social I mean the thing that a lot of people might have wanted his announcement to be is him to maybe come out onto the pitch still at half time but instead of just walking around walking out with a microphone and singing one of the plethora of songs that work with his name just down the mic obviously the, the favourite for that specific thing would have been and I will always love you just belting it out to the booth what a, what a way to introduce yourself to the fans um, which brings me on to Topher's question from Twitter was which and I song are we going with there's a lot of excellent options I mean I just mentioned one um, and I will walk 500 miles I think that was tweeted from the Wizards of Drivel account and I'm a fan of that one I think for one it's it makes sense in the context of football for two it's a relatively simple tune yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. it's one that Soap fans would be able to pick up I'm not sure how many Soap fans would be able to belt out and I will always love you um, well enough to, to do it justice Is it, are there any other <laughs> songs that come to mind? Oh, I no, not really. Um, I, I mean, I think options? and die. Well, I was going to say and die would walk five hundred miles. I think that's just the the simplest one. And then you get the lovely the fans get to go na 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 like that'll be. Yeah. We could do it back and forth between the uh, grounds. So yeah, I I think I think that's the one with the most potential. And die would always love you. Will always love you. It's kind of more. I don't know. I mean, it's a power ballad, isn't it? And <laughs> getting getting a chorus to sing that's going to be quite difficult. The thing is, the issue is with all this speculation about whether the, this song, this "End I Will Walk 500 Mile" song, would develop into the 
into the terraces is, I mean, one of my four comments on the Oatcake message board was when Shakiri signed with my take on the Shakira song. And obviously, we know where that went, where it didn't, it didn't get, none of these great suggestions got used, so maybe the same happened with Endai. I mean, I pray that it, it picks up, but I doubt it. Do you have anything to say on that, Tom? Yeah, no, it's just a shame that there is this sort of elite clique of fans who go to the games and control what songs are sung. Um. <laughs> Very good. Um, that's enough on Endai now, for now, at least. I've got the second game of the week, the, the one that's most recent in our pained hearts, um, the loss against Bournemouth. A few three-word reviews to kick us off. Um, terrible set pieces, agree with that. Um, yeah, football is from you, Tom. Another clean sheet, and there's a gif, I assume that's a jokey gif. Or am I reading the wrong... <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm reading the... I, the humour's going straight over my head here. Um, it's oh that, no, I am reading the wrong one. It's that, Liverpool, it's that Liverpool Spurs game, Ben, it's ruined you. Oh no. I've, what I've done here, lads, is the first, the first three word reviews I read were, we're from the yesterday's ball, game. Brilliant, brilliant. So there we Excellent. go. Um, <laughs> the sentiment is the same, I think. So we'll just continue as if that didn't happen and leave that all in for the, all mean, of the listeners it, to hear doesn't, my mistake. Doesn't it, doesn't it say a lot, though, that they could easily have been the same games pretty much <laughs> really yeah I mean it's not my mistake it was a trick and it worked on all of you I was just messing you all about what a return to presenting seats I'm having um, so yeah Bournemouth loss Tom thoughts gutting one of those ones where you just sat there for an allotted period of time after the game I think it was like 45 minutes to an hour for me just sort of staring into nothingness, feeling miserable. Um, but I, I, I think there's been a big overreaction from a lot of people. I've seen a lot of people Ooh. slate a lot of things, um, and I don't think we were that bad because we, we had a great opening half hour and just were knackered by the end of it. And the, the game, the brilliant Liverpool to Tottenham game, that's happened to Liverpool today. Liverpool have just gone off the boil and it's the last time I think I think it's the last time we're playing two fixtures in a week this season so in theory it shouldn't hurt us again and just on the the set pieces I don't it was a mistake but Chris Kamara actually on uh, goals on Sunday this this morning got it covered um he was talking about how we were set up for Charlie Daniels to take the free kick and if Daniels does take the free kick, then we're all in front of the ball, ready to win it and flick it away. But then as soon as he runs over the ball, the defence doesn't adapt quick enough um, mm-hmm. for Ibe's whipped ball to the back post. I mean, you'd expect nothing more from Chris Kamara as a <laughs> tactical genius like that, would you, after his fantastic spell with Stoke? So I, I wouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> Incredible. So... You mentioned that, th- so that you think that everything was fine with that game, Chris. How do you respond to those those positive comments from Tom? That's very positive. It's very positive for you, Tom. That <laughs> like, what, is this the same Tom thrower? Um, I I mean I I agree. I do think that to a certain extent we were just knackered towards the end, and um, I. I I'd like to think that that game isn't reflective of how other games can go in the future. It was just, it was just a real shame. We were, we were good for the, like the first what twenty twenty minutes or so. I think as soon as Bournemouth got the message that we need to press Stoke, we kind of lost our foothold in the game a little bit. We still had chances, and that's the that's the thing, and that's why I can understand people wanting saying that we need better striking options because. That we we had we had opportunities to make it two nil, um, and then for us to concede, oh that first goal was comical, that was funny wasn't it? <laughs> they lit- I mean what was it? Joe Allen and Kurt Zuma literally ran into each other like a cartoon. <sighs> yeah, it was it's, it was it's the epitome of if you don't laugh you will cry. absolutely cry for yeah, the rest of exa- the week. Exactly, and it it's a shame. It really is a shame. I'm not. 
as downbeat as I was yesterday. I think yesterday after the the game, I was like, right, well, that's that's us finished for this season. We are going down. And actually, I still think we can. It, it, it's not over yet. It is definitely not over. Um, but it was gutting. It was a gutting game. And I mean, I know that the yeah, you said Tom, the defense didn't collect itself enough for their second, but it was it was bad defending again, and it just shows that what is this, the the remnants of the Mark Hughes era where. What having two weeks with Paul Lambert doing more defensive drills isn't going to get rid of all the switchings off of the team. So it, it's a shame, but we we move on to the next, don't we? I guess. Of course, Musa scored as well. The the person who the striker who hadn't scored in his Premier League career, but had scored an own goal for Stoke last season. Of course, he scores his first one <laughs> against us when he comes off the bench. And all of the Redemption. all of the bear pit accounts and the the banter accounts have been like, oh, here comes Mooset. Maybe he'll score for Stoke again. Yeah, great. <laughs> well, well, well done, everyone. That's, I mean, there were, that is there a, were... a Hollywood script waiting to be written, isn't it? <laughs> but there were there were positives to take from it. Um, midfield wise, within Die, I felt we looked a lot more energised in midfield. Um, I think that it's not going to be difficult looking more energised than Charlie Adam or Darren Fletcher, but I take your point. Mm. But it's an he he is an improvement, and I think he if he plays as he did yesterday, then that that is a very good signing for us. Um, it is just we just need to just be more switched on. That's it, really. We just we we can't have many more games like that because time will run yeah, out eventually yeah. on us and that's the thing I think it's getting to that stage where it feels like a team that's on the way to relegation they they always a team that whenever there's a team that's sort of struggling and, and going down and, and not being able to sort of pull themselves out of it there's always that, that excuse there's always one excuse or another and it's it feels at the moment like we're that team because You've got Bournemouth coming into this one. Obviously, that unlucky goal, bad defending from the free kick. Bournemouth have come into this game from one of the results in the club's history. So, I know that they've also played two games in a week. But the fact that I've, I can imagine waking up after a victory against Chelsea like that is a lot happier feeling than a nil-nil draw against Watford on a, a freezing cold night. Yeah. So, we're going to have to, some at some point, soon turn around these these excuses into sort of like even though that happened we won we found a result we got that last minute equaliser or winner against Man City and Arsenal fingers crossed because um, <laughs> uh, it might end up if we don't start picking up results that we, we do go to those games against Man City and Arsenal and yeah. think we need to pick up something which is the position that you really don't obviously desperately don't want yeah. to be in um, but it yeah what about I ask you, Tom, because because you're from um, well, you're you're at uni around Brighton, and I really I think this is another point to make. I implore, as much as it's going to be really easy to do this, and it's the obvious thing to do, I implore that Stoke fans refuse to use the must-win phrase before before any game this season. <laughs> we let's just go into every game hoping to win. Don't expect anything, and don't be like "this is it" or "we're going down" because you'd never know. I just, I, I'm sure I'm going to tweet it next week and completely just like rubbish my whole spiel that I'm going through right now. But don't use the phrase "must win" because it is the most annoying thing, and it doesn't help anyone. It only makes the heartbreak harder. <laughs> um, but back to the question, um, Tom, what this game must win? Yeah, I was just about to say. <laughs> It is. Uh, we're playing Brighton next Saturday. It's a must-win game. Um, no, I, I don't think there's any reason to be that worried of Brighton. Um, so you can all tweet me when they beat us four 0 No. Yeah. No, they 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 beat West Ham last weekend, um, and I think some stupid stat like Brighton have scored twenty-eight percent of their goals in the Premier League against West Ham. So there's a there's a bogey thing going on there, and they they struggle to score goals. They're a lot like Huddersfield. They struggle to score goals. They're pretty good defensively, but mm-hmm. it, come on, newly promoted teams at home. 
come on. Exactly. They struggle to score goals away from home as well, and it's my 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 only concern is that they play a similar game to Watford and they just try and stifle the game out. Um, which would be a disaster for us. We we need everyone to be like all up in it, like at Huddersfield. We need not just the players. Talking to you, listening at home, do your bit as well. It's like the war effort. Yeah, we all got <laughs> bringing all your scra- like yeah, bringing all your scrap metal so we can build. Um, I was going to say TIE Fighters and that's Star Wars so don't do that let's build Spitfires guys and Brighton oh, won't goodness. come I mean, and play like Watford um, no if they do I will eat the proverbial or my proverbial how hat. how do you see Brighton <laughs> playing they, they're really weird they um, they do the hot they, they basically played like we played under Hughes towards the end they sit really deep, praying to God the opposition don't score. Then when they get the ball, they don't move it forward quickly. They sort of just dilly-dally it forward. It's really weird, but it's been working for Chris Hewton, so mm-hmm. they aren't going to come and shithouse us. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think the last few... I mean, I've popped Shakiri into my fantasy team. I've done something that I very rarely do. I try to avoid Stoke players in fantasy teams, just to sort of just avoid those feelings whatsoever, but... I think in the last few games there's been a couple of times when you'd normally back him to score maybe or he's had a few really good chances so I think if that comes up obviously he's just scored the header which I mean I was just thinking about Shakiri. I mean how, how often does he practice headers and he, he, does, he, he scores it I mean I'm rubbish at headers and I'm massive um, but anyway Hopefully, I think you've got to rely on the, on your big players in games like this when it's so important. So Shakiri, he's he's still creating chances, and I back him to 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 score again. I think, or at least make something happen. And we got to hope that Endai is sort of pushes on from that strong start that he's had yesterday, and and hopefully just do the business. That's all. Like I don't care how we do it now. Do it like Watford did it. Do it like, I don't know, Man City do it. That would be nice. But at the same time, I don't really care. I just want three points so I don't end up lying in a ball shivering for the half an hour like I did it, yesterday. And it, it, it's, it's all about momentum, isn't it, In at the moment? For, for yeah. all these teams scrapping down the bottom, I mean, there are what if we're on 24 points and Watford are in 11th on 27 like the the relegation fight is ridiculous um and so any team with a bit of momentum just can start building up and that's why it's so important for us to play in a positive manner and to to rather than rather than sit back and be defensive we need to attack games because that's the only way you're going to get a bit of a positive feel about the place um God, I hope we win. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a bit of a shame because obviously none of us have really experienced a, a manager, a new manager mid-season, definitely, obviously not in the Premier League ever. So kind of in the back of my mind, at least, I'm not sure about you guys, you're sort of thinking, oh, we're going to get a new manager bounce like every other team seems to get. It hasn't happened like that. And, and that's a huge shame. But I think the beauty of our position now, certainly at the moment, I don't know what will happen, but there's literally... I'm not seeing any blame apportioned to, to Lambert. I think I'm seeing a lot of people staying behind the team. I'm seeing a lot of people being disappointed, which is obviously understandable. And we're all basically just scared. But at the end of the day, we're going to sit behind this team till the end, whatever happens. And I think that's a really, really important point. You might have other teams sort of questioning their managers, especially your West Broms, giving Pardew another job, where we've got, you know what, this is really quite terrible. We've got... <laughs> so many remnants of the last regime being sort of evident on the field the lack of fitness the lack of defending and it's like the one thing that's annoying people is that why did it last so long for Mark Hughes but no one's saying why did we bring in Paul Lambert which I did in this immediate aftermath but now it's just like come on we need to do this is that Tom do you do you agree with with that idea yeah I, I think there's a lot of and I think Lambert's done everything he can to to, yeah. to, to get everyone behind him um, because we haven't had that new manager bounce that, that tends to sort of be based on the defence getting shut up and the team pretty much playing the same way but just everyone's a bit more confident. Lambert has come in and he has changed how we play and for me he's changed it for the better and the, yeah. the result against Bournemouth was unlucky because we ran out of legs and they had some lucky 
lucky goals. Um, and we're, we're doing it. And there's people saying we don't score goals. Well, we, we aren't. What do you expect? We aren't going to be scoring three goals a game. And people go after the strikers. I think that's probably the only thing I've seen that sort of doesn't align with what you've just said, Ben. People have gone after Juve, gone after Crouch, which I kind of get because Crouch affects our play a lot more. Um, but they say that they don't score goals when they, they do. For a mid-table team, they sort of score at the rate you expect them to. To get all statty, they, uh, they, they meet their XG. They don't underperform, they don't overperform. <laughs> I mean, I was waiting for the moment. It's taken about 35 minutes and, and it was as good as I ever could have hoped for. So thanks, Tom, for bringing in that stat. Um, Chris, you want to bring up anything more on the Bournemouth game? I've got a couple of questions to run through from Twitter. Okay. Let's go. This is a great question from Lee Hawthorne. Awful. Um, what are the true causes of our fragility, Chris? Um, Mark Hughes not working on defensive training... Uh, for the best part of four years and then replacing our most attacking player and star talisman with a free signing from Schalke who despite me liking him a lot because he seems a lovely bloke isn't the same as our former Austrian friend and bringing in Darren Fletcher to replace an ageing Glenn Whelan and all those type of things really basically not moving the squad on enough so that we were not as reliant on Tony Pulis foundations essentially like that I think mm. that's that's the that's the basic of our fragility is that the meat and bones is yeah that and, and, and that's not to say that Mark Hughes didn't bring in some absolutely fantastic players because clearly we've got some great players in that team but the the core strong base that was supposed to be replaced hasn't been replaced with sufficient enough quality to improve us. Anything to add on that, Tom, quickly? I think there's a lot to talk about confidence. Um, the side mm-hmm. is totally lacking in confidence. So that's the reason things happen, like Butland not coming for that cross. Yeah. I think that you've got a squad who, as far as it seems, have constantly been told by Hughes that oh, you're doing all right, you've just been unlucky, and they must start looking at themselves if they haven't got someone who's kicking them up the arse, a bit like Paul Lambert did. And I think that, that apparently he stormed into the changing room, stormed out, and then stormed back in again to go and get them. So I think the players Good. just need to have confidence in themselves because Fletcher as well, Fletcher's terrible passing at the back, just comes because I don't think he he believes in his own ability to pass the ball. No, no. And, I, and Yeah, like... When Darren Fletcher signed for us, there was that. There was a lot of, especially West Brom fans, who said that he's 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 gone now. His legs have gone from the game. But there were. A, I'm right in thinking that Darren Fletcher wasn't bad for us at the start of the season. So something awful happened to him. Whether he just <laughs> went back to type or whether it's just a, a drop in confidence. And I, I I know you have a lot of questions to go through, Ben. But on Butland, um, just briefly, do you, either of you think his place? In the England lineup for the World Cup is in jeopardy, at least in terms of being the starting keeper. I, I, you know what, I've been thinking about that, and I think I saw it on BBC yesterday, so it sort of went, my mind went whirring. And I, I, I do think, I don't think Butland's in a sort of season where he's had that opportunity to really nail down that spot. Unfortunately, as much as I'd love to say, yeah, I think he should 100% start, I don't think he has. But then the worrying thing from an England fan perspective is no one really else has either. Pickford has not been amazing, I mean, he's made saves just as Butland has, but he hasn't sort of been as incredible as some people sort of like to think he was. I mean, that, is it Pope? Nick Pope from Burnley has obviously been sort of decent and probably trailed off a bit as the whole Burnley side has done. The argument for Pickford and against Butland, which I think we'd all agree on, is Pickford's distribution is incredible and Butland's is sometimes downright awful. Um, So as much as I'd love to say, yeah, Butland... Because I think he is the best, between the sticks, the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. Or best English goalkeeper. And he'd be up there with the best in the Premier League, I think. But this season, for whatever reason, he hasn't been. Yeah. It would be my take. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Next um, question. <laughs> next question. What? I and mean, this is quite funny. In, in, after your sort of point there, Chris, 
um, to the last question was what did Hughes actually do in training the team can't last 90 minutes I, I would love to spend another whole podcast just postulating about <laughs> what Hughes actually did get up to um, yeah, playing think... on his phone maybe he's a candy crush addict who knows just doing and volleys thing... just volleying the ball <laughs> like Pat, everyone just passing him the ball and him volleying it in the net I think that's what happened <laughs> Just like some sort of YouTuber who's just like filming himself putting it top bins every time. It's like, yeah, look at yeah. this, lads. This is, I'm a, I used to play for Barcelona. Um, <laughs> just maybe that's free. insulting. Yeah. I think, yeah, I don't know. There's definitely a feeling that, and I've seen a few people say it, that Mark Hughes just lost enthusiasm for the Stoke job in the end, and I think that was quite apparent. But in terms of, I have no idea what he did, really. You Because it weren't defensive training. Just passing the ball around, I think. Did you last? Just, just that game where you like stand in a circle and one per it's piggy in the middle, and they've got to stop the passing lanes. I think that's it. That's all we did. I reckon you just <laughs> sat in the uh, changing rooms with a photo of Stephen and Zonzi just weeping slowly. Oh, I know what I know what training routine we did. Sorry, no, because I actually do know this. This is inside information. So we, um, so the training, what the job was, what they had to do is they'd stand in the centre circle, and then there'd be targets on like the outside of the pitch, and they had to pretend it was a kickoff, and then hit one of the targets <laughs> on like the far right hand side of the pitch. That's that's essentially all they had to do. Sounds like a laugh. Sounds easier than my job. Maybe I should try doing that. <laughs> Um, our next question is which top six club are we going to defeat in shocking fashion to save the season I mean I think there's three from the top six I don't know who is sixth um, is it Arsenal Ars- yeah. it's it Arsenal awesome. yeah. so our three against the top six correct me if I'm wrong are Man City Arsenal and Liverpool before the end of the season I mean which are we most likely to none of them are particularly nice um, Paul Lambert loves a result against Arsenal and he loves a result at Anfield so it's one of those two or both of them if we want to get is really that true crazy. is that stats yeah he uh, I think he drew three all with Norwich at Arsenal and beat Liverpool at Anfield just to get everyone oh really God, excited gonna, and giddy we're gonna win the league <laughs> we see I think I think it's just gonna be our look that we're gonna beat Man City at our place and it will be a case of we'll have lost all the other games and so it won't actually matter (laughs) but we'll just somehow beat them they're all and it's it's on Sky that game so it's going to be like Sky Sports you know when the the title loss is gone and they're still trying to like wear out the narrative they're being like the title race is back (laughs) oh there's Stoke beat Man City in incredible circumstances the gap is now only 19 points (laughs) (laughs) That'd be nice. I think I, I quite like the idea of Paul Lambert endearing himself massively to the state fans by getting a result at the Emirates. That would be really mm. quite nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Amongst Definitely. a lot of other things, that would just be like, yeah, fair play, mate. You might, we might get relegated, but at least you did that. No, we're not getting relegated. That question's coming out at the end as well. If, if all the listeners are thinking, why are they not asking if we're going to get relegated? Relegated. I'm going to save it till the end. Um, not going to ask all of these questions because we did have a lot um, but thank you for <laughs> all of them um, this has made me laugh our, le- our latest question maybe a guide to grounds with the best pies in the championship heartwarming <laughs> stuff um, maybe we'll prepare that for the end of the season just in case maybe maybe <laughs> uh, what's pointed out to me this morning by Stacey my other half is that if we were to go down there's at least three clubs within like a 40 minute drive for me to go for away days so that's decent yeah not the same for me as every single South Coast team is in the Premier League apart from (laughs) Portsmouth so Portsmouth could get promoted still I don't think they I I think it's sort of unlikely but that'd be a fun trip to France my flatmate's a Portsmouth fan and and I got in there before he could saying oh we're playing each other next season Um, (laughs) anyway one more I, actually, I wrote a question. Um, as things could get hard to bear over the next few month, months, what alternative activity should Stoke fans consider to take their minds off the misery? So, have we got anything for that? I mean, let's keep it clean. Yeah. Um, well, as Stoke fans collectively, we all know that we're cursed. So, we're not even venturing <laughs> to a different hobby. I just suggest the fans go and support 
any of Swansea, Huddersfield, Newcastle, Southampton, <laughs> Brighton or Watford. Um, take your pick. Go ruin some other football clubs. That is the beauty of the situation. There's just so many other clubs to choose from. What a, what a Premier League season to be in a relegation battle. Because you've just got so much to look out for. It's like every single bloody result is bad for us in some way. It's incredible. Chris, any, any rays on supporting another team to, to get them relegated? No, not really. Maybe just let's all just jump on a different sport for a bit. You know, like we tried to get into basketball this start mm. this season. Maybe if we all just jump onto something a bit more, I don't know, fun. Let's all go watch the wrestling, guys. WWE, <laughs> let's just all get into that. WrestleMania soon. We've had the Royal Rumble. Let's, uh, let's just do that. Because WrestleMania is around, what, April? So end of the season's coming up it'll be a nice feel good factor let's come on I'm up for it let's do a Wizards of Drivel Wrestlemania watch along <laughs> maybe we should start a campaign to get Charlie Adam to enter is that how, <laughs> I, I have no idea about, about how wrestling works but I can imagine Charlie Adam sort of he'd be a good addition he, for the story um, um, he would he would didn't one of Vale's former keepers go to WWE hang on what was his name wow like genuinely yeah Stuart uh, yeah Stuart Tomlinson he left former goalkeeper oh no yeah he left WWE no matter but he did he was he was released from Port Vale Uh, he went and he went to WWE and was in there like training for a bit never mind Charlie Adam he could be like what could his gimmick be like the the Dundonian tackler and he just say fat bastard from Austin Powers. <laughs> that was that me. Is, I'm yeah. sorry. He would, yeah. He'd come That's out horrible. and he'd be dressed in that massive white tracksuit that he wore yes. when he was watching the golf at that time. Yes, on the cap. The fluorescent yeah. cap. With the, yeah. Oh. Like, I can picture it now. Ah, oh, man. Definitely, but I mean, like I've seen, I've seen a lot of wrestling in like working men clubs, and Charlie Adam is definitely more akin to the working <laughs> men's club wrestler than he is for the, the of the international athletes of the world of world wrestling entertainment. So, I mean, at least if he was involved in some sort of wrestling community in in and around the UK somewhere, that would sort of give him an excuse for why he can look so turgid on a football field on a Saturday afternoon because he's been wrestling for half the night the previous yeah he was in a bat- he was in a battle royale on the Friday night and now he's got to play on a, on a Saturday who knows um, right if you want to answer that question sort of if you've got any other um, ideas for things that we can be getting up to while Stokes hopefully demise happens or doesn't happen then Tweet us at Wizard of Drivel. It'd be funny to read any of your ideas out. Um, and I'll finish with this final question. Um, Gareth also tweeted in. And he said, "Are we still the masters of our own destiny, or are we reliant on others being worse?" So, Chris, to you first. Are we getting relegated at the moment? Where do you see it going? Well, I mean, at this moment in time, we are in the relegation zone. If you want me to, be yeah, thinking. right, yeah. Oh, I'm going to say no. We aren't getting relegated. I think we are going to... I know. I think we're going to get some results. I think other teams are going to be awful. And I think whilst we're not going to go on a massive run, I think we will edge it. And so we are the masters of our own destiny. But I think we are going to have some help from some others as well. We're getting 18 more points this season. We're finishing on 42 points. And we won't even be thinking of relegation come the end of March. Wow, <laughs> fingers crossed. I mean, <laughs> incredible. My my point on this would be, I'm such a wanker for sort of hope. I'm such a hopeful wanker that's the worst. Even emotion, if it's hope. mathematically mathematically impossible for us to stay up, I'll still be there. Be like, <laughs> we can do it, lads. We can bloody do it. So oh, with that man. attitude, I think um, we should all live by just constant hope. Um, yeah. I did write a piece about hope so check that on the Wizard Drivel website if you haven't already what a segue that was um, anything else to add lads because I'm I'm going to start crying soon just Ooh, from pure we, emotion well we do have the good news about some competition winners Ben we do 
We, we do. Do. Do, you, do you want to I, I, to announce it because it is your your competition? Okay, I thought so we, we should have, have um, mentioned that this at the start of the episode, so people were like, "Oh, I might have won." I'll keep listening to the end. Oh, we'll 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 message them somewhat anyway. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. So we had we had the the Peter Crouch goal map uh, posters printed out, and we've got two to give away right now. We put it on Twitter, share, like, bloody blah, and we'll pick a winner. So on Twitter at Lee Stockley, you are our winner. Please message us. And um, if you don't, it's a test to see if you're listening or not. If you do, well done, you've won it. I'll probably message you anyway. Uh, on Facebook, Bob Moston, you won. Thank you, Bob, for playing along. We'll message you as well, and you can have a poster. Good. Oh, there's also some incredible news. This is a, an exclusive for the Wizards of Drivel. I th- ben, you already know. Tom, you don't know this. So, we also have a third poster. A third poster. Now, this third poster is a special poster because currently it's getting put in an envelope and it's been sent off to our friend of the pod, John Sidaway, Sideaway, at the Stoke City training ground. He's going to get our man, Peter Crouch, to sign it for us. When we get it back, it's going up on eBay. All funds will be going to the Donna Louise Children's Hospice. So that's going to be coming in a few weeks. So save your pocket money. Let's raise some money for a nice cause and be positive and stuff, eh? Hey, how nice will that be? But genuinely, it's a big thanks to John for that because he's been really, really approachable and said it's easy for us to do. So that's that is going to be a really nice thing to do. So looking forward nice. to that. Rest of you, just if you want posters, let me know and I'll make them for you. <laughs> I was going to make some sort of convoluted joke about Peter Grouch attempting to sign the poster and hopefully hitting the target and not missing it, but. It, I, I don't think I can work it out in my brain to to make it work as a funny. So I'll just sort of say that I made the effort to the listeners and, and hopefully you guys realise that at least I tried. Um, which hopefully yeah. the Stoke players will do as well in the coming weeks. Um, right, lads, before it turns into um, absolute carnage and I also am sort of feeling some withdrawal symptoms from that one year goal, so I'm going to go watch it now again. Um <laughs> Good evening and good night. I hope you have a lovely one, both of you. Um, And to the boys in red and white, please get a win against Brighton next week. Go on, Stoke.